That's just a little video, a little documentary about uh, from National Geographic about um, the Hmong culture and the Hmong religion and the sacrifices that they make for their own religion. And as I think about that, I also think about the sacrifices we make as Christians. And we see how much they, they dedicate themselves to this religion, to this practice. Uh, you see the pig up there. That pig is pretty much what they believe in is that they, uh, the, the person who's sick is because the ancestors have taken the, the spirit. And so they're offering, so they're offering that pig, they're offering the soul of that pig in exchange for the soul of the person that's ill. And so, they, and so it's one of the things that they do in terms of their sacrifices and in terms of their offerings that they do for uh, their religious beliefs, for their ancestral spirits. And so um, be, I'll come back and talk a little bit about that, um, about that in a bit, about that video and how we can take that and how we can relate that even to our Christian beliefs of the sacrifices and the offerings that we as Christians can provide for God. But the first thing I want to let us know is that... Um, my daughter and her boyfriend came to talk to me a couple months ago, and she's only 20 years old, and, they, and he's 21, and they came to talk to me, and they told me that they're getting married. And I said to them, I said to them that, you know, I thought you guys were going to tell me that you're going to break up. Why are you guys telling me that you're, you're getting married? And so they told me about this, and uh, as a father, naturally, I was, um, I mean, it's not my plan for her, you know, because I, I told her that this is, not, you know, 10 years too early for me. And so <laughs> I wasn't ready to talk to them about it um, then, and then I told them, you know, give me some time to really think about this. Um, and I also want, to get, want you guys to take the time to really think about what you really, really want to do. And so... Um, it took me a while, you know, it took me a while to th really think about their situation. And so uh, they're, planning, they're planning to have their Hmong wedding on January 6th, on January 6th of 2018. And so I just want to let all of us know that uh, we don't know where we're going to have it yet. And so it's a little cultural ceremony for them. And so it's going to be on January, um, January 6th. Um, I'm thinking about maybe having it here at church or maybe at home. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see how, how that uh, progress, but um, I'm still trying to, you know, get used to this, and so after they, told, after they told me this, they keep coming over to my house now, and I'm telling them that, you know, you're not supposed to be coming to my house all the time. If you want to get married, you should stay at your house, you know, <laughs> but they're always coming to my house, like every weekend now, and, and stuff like that, too, so, um, but anyways, as I was thinking about Kayla's life, as I was thinking about my children's life and about the things that I want to be able to share with my daughter as she uh, wants to, you know, she, she decides to get married and go on this, uh, take this next step in her life. As I think about the things that I want to talk to her about, I, of, I also think about the same thing about, it's pretty much a message that I also want to share with us as Christians. Because when you're young, when you're still a child, when you're still a youth, when you're still a teenager, when you live with your parents, your parents provide everything for you. You don't have to worry about the food you're going to eat. You, you don't have to worry about the clothes you're going to wear. We still pay for her. We paid for her car for her. We, we still pay her insurance for her, you know, her auto insurance and things like that for her. And so she, 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 there's nothing for her to really worry about. But as she is beginning to take this next step in her life, to have her own life and to start her own life with her husband. 
then, I, then she needs to start thinking about how she can provide for herself. She needs to start thinking about the responsibilities in which she is going to have. And a lot of times, young kids, 20 years old, they, oftentimes they don't think about the consequences of the things that they want to do. They just want to do it, and they want to do it. And no matter what you say as a parent, they want to do it. And so <laughs> that's how it is. But like I tell her, you have to think that as you take this next step, as you mature, as you grow, then you have to start thinking about providing for yourself, about no longer depending on your parents to pay for your auto insurance, no longer depending on your parents to provide a place for you to live, no longer depending on your parents to provide food for you on the table, no longer depending on your parents to buy things for you, to buy clothes for you. You know, she's, she works, she's been working for, for about, you know, the last two years since she finished high school, two or three years, whatever it is. And, um, but, you know, she works and she keeps her money for herself. We still pay a lot of, you know, we still buy a lot of stuff for her. But I talk to her and I tell her that you have to start thinking about these things. That, because as we mature in our own lives, that we need to start thinking about the next step. We need to start thinking about the responsibilities that we're going to have as an adult. And many times our faith is also like that. Many times our faith is also like that. When we, when we become Christians, when we first become Christians, talking about tithing, talking about money, talking about offering is not something that we're very comfortable with. A lot of new Christians, when they become Christians, they don't think about what they can do for their church. But often the only thing that they can think about is they think about what the church is going to do for them. And so as young Christians, they don't think about the sacrifices. They don't think about the responsibilities of being a Christian. They often don't think about the things they, they want to do for God, but they always think about the things that God is going to do for them. But yet as a Christian, as you begin to mature in your faith, as you begin to mature in your faith, the things that we need to start considering are the things that we are going to do for the church. And it is no longer about what the church is going to do for us, but it is about what we are going to do to build up the church. And what are we going to do in response to this amazing, amazing love that God has given to us? What are we going to do? What are we going to offer? What are we going to sacrifice? You see, in that video that we just watched, and the Hmong traditional religion of shamanism, it's all driven by fear. Everything that they do, all the sacrifices that they made, it's all driven by fear. You get sick, it's because your ancestral spirits are, 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 are trying to get something from you. That they've taken, that the spirits, the, the, what they call, um, we as Christians, we refer to as demons, which they find very offensive, of course. They call it spirits, right? They're ancestral spirits. And their ancestral spirits have taken their soul, that's what they believe, has taken their souls, and that's why they're getting ill. And so in order for them to get better, in order for them to be healed, they need to offer something in exchange for their soul to come back. And the reason why we Christians, we Hmong Christians, refer to these things as demons rather than ancestral spirits is, is because from the scripture we see, we see that there's no such thing as these things. That we see, and another thing is that it doesn't make sense that if these spirits are your ancestral spirits, then why would they harm you? 
because if they're your parents, they're your grandparents, then it doesn't make sense that they will be harming you. And so a lot of times, Hmong um, Christians refer to these as demons because they're falling, we see them as falling angels, you know, as demons trying to, trying to uh, um, disguise themselves as our ancestor and trying to get things from us. And so a lot of times when you hear, when you hear Christian, Hmong Christian pastors talking about the religion, that's why they refer to it as demons. And so this is pretty offensive for those who practice the old religion. But regardless, regardless, they do this. And they, and they would kill, they would kill a fresh animal, just like that pig that we saw there. And they would kill that fresh animal, and they would give that fresh animal the soul of that fresh animal. And that, that shaman with, with the covering on his face, what he's doing is he's talking to the other world. And he's negotiating, he's taking the soul of that pig or that animal, and he's taking that soul and he's leading that soul to the afterworld. And so he's negotiating with ancestral spirits to try to bring the, the, the soul of the person back in exchange for the soul, the soul of that animal that they sacrifice. And so everything that they do is out of fear and out of self-preservation, just trying to fix their issues, trying to fix their problems. It's all done, and they do this greatly. They do this all the time. Every single year, every single year when it's New Year, they offer, they do offerings to their their, their ancestral spirits so that the spirits will continue to bless them and not harm them. So these are the things that different religions that they often do in order for them to appease their gods, appease the, the things that they believe in. And yet here we as Christians, we as Christians, God doesn't ask us for these things. God, does not, God is not saying that you must do these things. If you don't do these things, then I'm going to harm you. But yet the offerings that we give to God, the tithe that we bring to God, are things that it's a gift that God has given to us. And these things are things that we bring to God out of our own, own will. Not because, not because God is going to harm us, but we do these things because God loves us so much. And when I talk about these things to the Mongs this morning, they understood and they said, wow, you know what? In our old religion, we did do these things. We did do these things, and even when these spirits didn't love us, even when these spirits harmed us, we did sacrifice, and we gave up so much of our time and our money, our finances, to these spirits. Now, if we think about this, it makes so much more sense for us to offer our time and our finances and ourselves to God, because God doesn't harm us. Rather, he loves us. And so they understood that. They understood that. And Jesus Christ, in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the apostle Paul wrote about Jesus Christ, and this is what he said about Christ. And Christ says, it is better to give than to receive. It is so much better to give than to receive. And we need to understand that as we are giving, as we are giving, this act of giving isn't about what God needs from us, because God already has everything. He absolutely needs nothing from us. So as we give, we're not giving to God because God needs it. You see, the old religion, the shamanistic, they, they believe that they're giving to their ancestor because their ancestor has passed on to the other world. And in the other world, in the other world, there's nothing for them. There's nothing for them that they have to provide for their ancestor in the other world. Okay? And so, and so many times when I preach to, to 
our Hmong Christians, when, when I talk to them, especially during funeral time, I remind them that our world, our, as, us as Christians, it's totally different. The world that we go to in the afterlife, the Word of God teaches us that it has, it has everything. There's an abundance of everything. And yet in the, our old religion, when we go to the afterworld, it teaches us that there's nothing. There's nothing. And that's why we have to continually sacrifice to our ancestors to provide food for them, to provide things for them. And so we know and we understand that God has everything. So as we are giving to God, we need to understand that it's not about what God needs, but it is a gift that God is providing for us because God understands that as we give, as we give, then we grow. As we give, then we grow in our faith. And as we give, then we learn to start thinking about other people instead of just ourselves. You see, when, when we refuse to give, we're just thinking about ourselves. We're living for ourselves. But God is giving us this gift, and God says, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this so that you may grow? Why don't you do this so that you may understand that life is more about just you, but that there's other people out there that needs these things? And that you, by giving, that you can provide these things for these other people. You see, as the church, James teaches us that it is our job as the church to, to feed the hungry. It is our job as the church to help those who are widowed. It is our job as the church to help those who are orphaned. And many times we're unable to do these things. Many times we're unable to do these things because we get away. We get away from tithing. We get away from our offerings to the church. And it's so hard for us to really live up to the things that God wants us to do as a church, to feed the hungry, to impact our community. And, when, and after a while, after a while, we just start th- focusing on ourselves. We just start focusing on ourselves, and we no longer can focus on the community and on the people that's outside these walls. Because our Christianity is not a Christianity that is within these walls. That's not Christianity. Christianity is about what we do once we leave the walls of this church. And God wants us, God wants us to give because by giving, by giving, we grow, we grow. You know, there's so many different theology when it comes to tithing. There's all kinds of theology. Some people coming into the Methodist, being new to the Methodist, some people, even some people in the Methodist have told me that we don't believe in tithing here in the Methodist church. And I, and I tell them that, you know what, before I, before I joined the Methodist church, I actually read about the Methodist church. And from what I read, we do believe in tithing, so I don't know why you, why you would say that. But even some people would say that the Methodist church doesn't believe in tithing. But if we look at our book of discipline, paragraph 258.4, it says this, it is strongly recommended that the Committee on Finance, in collaboration with the Church Council, find creative ways to turn their congregations into tithing congregations with an attitude of generosity. So we do believe in that, right? Based upon that. We do believe in tithing. But we also believe that tithing, or that 10%, that is not the end goal. That is not the end goal. But that is only the starting point for us as Christians. It is only the starting point for us. And as we grow and as we're able to give more and more, then that's what we are to do, to strive for more. But we also believe that this is not a legalistic system that you need to do, that you're obligated to, but this is something that 
you need to do out of your own good heart for God. We read the main text that we talked about today um, from Malachi. This is what it says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there would not be room enough to store it. I will prevent, uh, prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruits before it is ripe, says the Lord God Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You see, in the book of Malachi, they've been back to their homeland for about a hundred years. They've built up their temples. They've raised up their priests. They've raised up their leaders, and yet they still feel that God was so far away from them. And they started questioning God, and they're like, God, do you even love us anymore? Do you even love us anymore? If we go back to Malachi chapter, chapter 1, we see that, that, that is exactly what the book opens up with. It is, it is about whether or not God still loves the people of Israel. Because even though they were practicing their religion, even though they had their temple for worship, even though they were coming to worship, even though they had their priests, they still felt that they were so far, so far away from God. And they still felt that they, they were not receiving the blessings from God. And they started questioning God as to, God, are you even here with us anymore? Do you even care about us anymore? And this is God's response to them through the book of Malachi, using the prophet Malachi to respond to them. And God is basically saying to them that I am not far from you. I have not deserted you. I'm still with you. It's not that I don't love you anymore. I still love you. But the reason why you feel so far away from me is because you have deserted me. And you have turned away from me. And so we, so we come here to this, to this passage here in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, and God is saying, test me. Test me. Bring me these things. Bring me the tithe. Bring me these things. That there may be food in my house, bring it to me, test me, and you will see my blessings on your own life. You will see my blessings upon your land. Test me, go for it, let's do this. And everybody will see that you are my people, and everybody will see who you are. Because if you test me, then this is my promise for you. Just come back, come back to me, and do the things that I ask you to do. We see a couple things in the book of Malachi, that the Israelites were doing that was causing them to fall away from God. And many times, even our own generation, our own time, we have the same questions. We ask God, God, are you still here with us? We don't feel your presence anymore. Where is the power of God in our churches? We often ask these very, very same questions that the Israelites back then asked. And God answered them and God told them that the reason why they were no longer experiencing God was because first off, their worship was futile. Their worship, it meant nothing. They were just going through the motions. They did not consider God worthy anymore. They were coming before God, but instead of bringing the best gift to God, they were bringing the worst of the worst. They were bringing the blind, blind animals to sacrifice for God. And so in the action, the things that they were doing, they were showing God that God was no longer worthy of them. That God is no longer worthy of worship. Another thing we see was that the priests, the priests were no longer teaching the truth of God's words. They were no longer teaching God's words. They were no longer teaching God's truth. We also see that they were no longer faithful to their, their spouses. 
They no longer value family. They no longer value the sanctity and the sacredness of their own family. We also see that they no longer care, or they no longer care for their children, and they, they were practicing injustices in their own society. They were doing all these things, including here, and it leads us up here to, to, to chapter 3, in which God is saying, not only that, but you're also withholding what belongs to me, from me. You're also withholding that. And that's why I feel like I'm so far. That's why you feel like you're so far away from me. That's the reason why you're not feeling the power within you. And so if we see these things, we come to understand. We come to understand that in order for us to feel the presence of God, to really experience God, is really to come back to these things. To come back to these things. We can find a thousand ways how to build up the church. We can find a thousand ways. But unless we understand what it is that God requires of us, we will not be able to feel or experience the power and the presence of God's Spirit with us. And this is something that God is even telling us, try me, test me. You want your, you want your church to grow. You want to grow in your faith. You want to be able to do all these things. Why don't you give this a try? Why don't you give this a try? Bring me my tithe. Bring me my tithe. Not because I need it. Because when you bring that to me, it enables you to love those outside of the church. A lot of times our churches can't do our ministry because we don't have the resources. But if we have the resources, we can start reaching out and impacting the community. And that's what God wants. And everything when that begins with our understanding of stewardship begins with our understanding that all things come from God. And even as we bring these things to God, these things are simply the things, we're just simply returning what God's, God's property back to him. There's a story about two brothers. There's a two, story about two brothers. And they were loved greatly greatly by their parents because their parents only had the two of them. And so their parents provided everything that they could for those two brothers. Gave them all the money, all the gifts, all the resources that they need for their own life. The older brother, he took all those gifts and he, he was so happy with that. He took all those gifts, he took all those finances and he went out and he bought all kinds of stuff for himself. His parents were so happy for him. They were willing to give him more even though he was doing that. The next, the younger brother, the younger brother, he saw that his parents were was giving him all these gifts. And so he decided that I need to do something with that gift for back for my parents. And so he took a portion of his the gifts and the finances that his parents gave him. And he took that and he saved it. And he saved it and he used the rest to buy all kinds of things for him. But when the time came, he took his parents' portion and he went and bought a gift and return it back to his parents. And his parents were so pleased, so pleased with what he was doing. And that's how our relationship is with God when we tithe. That's what it means when we tithe. It's about us being like that younger brother. You know, even if we're behaving like that older brother, God still loves us. God's not gonna condemn us to hell or anything like that. But when, we, when we're like that younger brother, 
and we save a portion of what God has given to us and we return it to God. God was pleased with it and God will continue to bless us more and more. I want to see our church grow. I want to see all of us grow. I want to see our, our children's ministry grow. I want to see our youth ministry grow. I want to see us impacting the community. I want us, I want, I want the opportunity to really take our church. We do a lot of fundraising in our church, which is necessary at this time. But I want us to be able to take our church and to the point where we no longer have to do fundraisers, maybe once or twice a year. And so we can focus more on evangelistic outreach to the community. I really hope and I really pray that there will be a time that our church will reach that, that, that part or that level that we will get there. And that all the things, because right now we, we have to focus a lot of, on fundraising. And oftentimes when we focus on a lot, a lot of that, that's not something bad, but that takes away from our opportunity to really focus on outreach into the community. And so if we can, if there's just some way that we can get to the point where we no longer have to do all these fundraisings and we can find the time to do more outreach into our community, I think that will be great for us as a church. And so I hope that you all also see that vision. And I also hope that you will reflect upon that and think about what I'm saying. I hope that we'll get there one day. With God leading us, I'm confident that we'll get there. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your blessing upon our life, Father. We thank you so much for everything that you've done. Father, today as the Finance Committee hand out these pledge letters to us, Father. We ask, we ask that you be with us, open up our hearts, each and every single one of us here in this church, Father. Father, let us not do this out of obligation or because it's out of a legalistic way, Father. But Father, let us do this out of our own hearts to you. For we see that our church have many needs. We see that our ministry have many needs. We see that this community have many, many needs. And most important of all, we see that everybody here needs your son, Jesus Christ. And it is through these resources, Father, that you've provided for us that we will be able to go out there and impact the community for your kingdom, Father. And so, Father, I ask that you open up our hearts and allow us, allow us to be able to give as much as we freely can give to you, Father. Father, whether that's 10%, whether that's 5%, whether that's 20%, Father, just start us somewhere. Start us somewhere so that we will be able to offer our finances to you for the sake of your kingdom. And so, Father, we give you all things and we lift all things up to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.